0: Shotglassdigital.com. Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. on this episode of geek out loud we're playing catch up in the mailbag that is a game where you stick catch up in a mailbag no it's not it's your safe place to geek out this is the geek out loud podcast Ketchup in the mailbag is you get a like an old fashioned mailbag, you know, one of those canvas mailbag things, and you pour a bunch of ketchup in the bottom, and you have someone looking for the right letter, which just happens to be all the way at the bottom. And then they get ketchup over their hands, and you're like, oh, got your ketchup in the mailbag, ketchup in the mailbag, and it's messy, and it's mean, but it's not as cruel as mustard in the underwear, that's all I'm saying, or, you know, honey in the shampoo bottle, those kind of games. Uh, welcome, everyone, it's Geek Out Loud, it's your safe place to geek out. My name's Steve Glosson, glad to have you along with us. Uh, it's, it's been a bit since we've had a chance to do a geek out loud. We are currently at the time of the recording smack dab in the middle of October. We should be doing all kinds of fun horror movie stuff, but before we do that, We've got to uh, play some catch up in the mailbag. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to get to your emails that we've had to neglect for the past couple of weeks or past couple of episodes rather. And uh, and, and we're going to talk all the, all the geek things we love. We've got announcements to make. We've got all kinds of stuff going on with the podcast and all kinds of ways where you can interact with us here at the show. I say us as though there's anyone here but me right now. And it's just little old me right now or big old me. We'll talk a little bit more about that momentarily. It's just me uh and and this is the show it's it's so funny because I get mixed signals from everyone let me Let me bring you into the mind of Steve Glosson really quickly. I have emails every now and again. It's like, Steve, we really enjoy your show, but we like it better when you have someone with you and i'm like so do i guys so do i because then i don't feel so lonely and that's why we do it live at mixer.com slash where we have the mixler zoo crew sitting in standing by like right now if i said hey guys we're taking your calls and i gave out the number i can guarantee at least one person would hit the old skype would hit the old phone and give us a call but we're not doing that we're not taking calls um and, and we've got the mixer Zoo crew in the chat at mixercom Golaverse. They're talking about everything but what we're discussing here on the show. In fact, they make it a, they make it a game to uh, to try to derail me. Fortunately or unfortunately rather, I don't see the admiral here tonight and she's kind of the champion derailer. but we're glad to have everyone here who is with us from the OG Zoo crewers. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically of our dear friend Carissa up in North Georgia. We're talking about Daniel and Indy uh, to the new G uh, Zoo Cre- Dr. Quest is OG to the new G Zoo Crewers. We're talking about Sarah. We're talking about Sienna. We're talking about Goosehawk38. No idea who you are, but welcome. <laughs> welcome, sir or madam, madam, as, as you were, as you are. As you is, (laughs) let's murder grammar, shall we? (laughs) Let's (laughs) let's play this game tonight. Let's scratch ketchup in the mailbag and let's play murder the grammar. Man, it's so funny to me how many people on the internet are grammar nazis, and all of us, I believe, are over thirty. There are very few grammar nazis under thirty, and those of us who are grammar nazis, we're losing a war, guys. We're losing award to abbreviations and numbers replacing words and emoji texts. Let's just be honest. I'm old fogey Steve. Man, we have run the gamut of emotions already, and we're not even we're not even three minutes in, but we have run the gamut, the full gamut of emotions. And now we're back to happy. Hey, guys, want to say thanks real quick before we go much further for clicking those Amazon links. You can find them at Geekout Online and geekoutpodcast.com. When you go to those sites and you use the Amazon link to your Amazon Shopping from there, it helps me out tremendously. And I greatly appreciate your help by using the Amazon links. It helps us keep the shows going. It helps us do some special things uh, like uh, what Teresa will be doing, um, getting some swag for an event she's going to be attending. Not, Not getting swag for herself, but getting swag to give out at an event that she'll be attending here pretty soon. We'll talk about that in, in just a little bit. But those Amazon links can be found at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everyone who supports us directly at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Our featured supporter for this episode is David Valdez, Master Swordsman, who was given a mystical blade by a mystical man who said simply, it's dangerous to go alone. Which was weird, because David was just going to buy some comics. On the way, he ran into some muggers and quickly dispatched them as the sword transformed him into a mythical adventure, kind of like a He-Man Legend of Zelda matchup. That's our featured supporter, David Valdez, on this episode of Geek Out Loud. So we want to thank everyone for going to patreon.com slash geekoutloud and supporting us over there. Your your support is incredibly, incredibly appreciated, humbling, and so thankful, so very thankful that you keep us going week in, week out, day in, day out, with all the different shows we do, Kristen got a new mic, Teresa's gonna have some swag to give out, all kinds of stuff going on, uh, with the Patreon, um, the Patreon stuff that you guys do, so thank you so much for that. and speaking of patreon now guys i don't do the most i do with patreon from show to show is is i i just mention the featured supporter and we move on um but a lot of you will notice that the Patreon exclusives over the past couple of months haven't been coming and i deeply apologize for that but the exclusive pods are going to start coming hot and heavy from now through December. Why? Because we're walking through the Star Wars saga. Now, for those of you guys who enjoy the Steve Star Wars corner and stuff, this is going to be sitting down and watching the Star Wars movies with me, episodes one through six, uh, leading into December, when we'll hit The Force Awakens in theaters on December 18th. So now's the time to become a patron at patreon.com geekoutloud looking forward to sitting down and watching these movies we're going to try to have some guests on for some of them and that sort of thing but it's just going to be a blast i love watching star wars i love talking star wars and uh patreon exclusive podcast will be star wars commentaries starting this week at patreon.com slash geek loud now i've had a few guest appearances lately guys listen to all the announcements we're getting out of the way right here at the top of the show had several appearances lately by now you know that way back on force friday i was on rebel force radio covering uh coast to coast midnight openings and that sort of thing tapped out early those guys just beat me down i'm a tired old man and couldn't hang all the way to like the 4:30 mark but uh But check out that episode of Rebel Force Radio. Also, on episode 49 of Galaxy of Toys, I was on with those guys as we were looking through the catalogs, the checklist um, of what would be coming out uh, for Force Friday and some of the merchandise since Force Friday. Uh, That's episode 49 of Galaxy of Toys. And look, I can't plug enough. If you're into the Star Wars, if you're just into people talking about their geekdom, My Star Wars Story. Uh, hosted by Scott Rifen, dear friend of the show, Scott Reifen. Uh He does that monthly. Different person every month telling their Star Wars story. These are fans telling the stories of fans, and sometimes they've ascended high to high places in fandom, but they're still fans at heart. And also, let me just give a shout-out to my good friends Riley and Bethany over at the Star Wars Report. Check out Star Wars Report at StarWarsReport.com. Just want to, you know, just trying to show a little little podcast love here, guys, if you're into the wars. Now, if you're not into the wars and you want some other shows, I feel like I don't promote it enough here on this show. Some of you may think, hey, what happened to the wrestling podcast? What happened to the rock and roll podcast? What happened to the Disney podcast? They're all still there. They're just all on their separate feeds. You can go to geekoutpodcast.com. Click on the subscribe to or the RSS feed links for those, and you can subscribe via your favorite podcatcher. Mark Out Loud is still there. The wrestling podcast we do. Rock Out Loud is still there. And listen, Def Leppard has a new album coming out on October 30th, Friday, October 30th. Kristen and I are planning right now. Things may change, but our plans are to do a live listen for the first time. Live listen and reaction to the new Def Leopard, self-titled Def Leopard album, coming out on October 30th. Disney Vault Talk is still rocking and rolling. We are in the midst of the Disney Renaissance. Coming up next week, Mark Newbold will be joining us for our discussion of Beauty and the Beast. But then in November, Teresa's actually headed out to Disneyland. So if you're out in that area, it's going to be for the first day of the Seasons of the Force event that Disney is doing. Out at Disneyland, Teresa's going to be there with the Skywalking Through Neverland guys. Go! They're going to be having a big meet up. We'll tell you more about that on Disney Vault Talk. But we're trying to get some swag together to give out at that uh, for the for the Disney for the Disney Vault Talk slash Skywalking Through Neverland meet up with Disney Vault Talk. Rebel yell is coming back. Why? Because season two starts up. Wednesday, And I am excited, excited about Rebels Season 2. Star Wars Rebels Season 2 is just... Whoa. Got a little safety dance going here. Star Wars Rebels Season 2 is looking to be great. That that opening movie of the week that they did with Vader. And uh, we got to see more of Ahsoka. Gee whiz, gang. It, I think it's going to be really ramped up. And there's a great new trailer that dropped at New York Comic Con. If you haven't seen that check it out. Stop what you're doing right now and go check out the Rebels Season 2 trailer from New York Comic Con. Also, maybe you don't know this, but Round 3 is back. Round 3 is a show that I used to do with my podcasting partner for life, Derek Russell, and we basically take uh, three times a week, three topics on each show, and we break them down with our co-host Sheena, who has joined us as well, and this is the second age of Round 3. We're having a blast doing that. Go check out those episodes and get caught up. On all the love that my co-hosts seem to have for Blucifer and uh, and, and how much a a freaking horse statue derails that show. And I'm excited to say that Starkville Labs is back. We're promising you at least three big episodes for Season 2 of The Flash as Starkville Labs has returned to celebrate uh, Season 2 of CW's The Flash, so just make sure that you're subscribed to all those, you're taking part in all those, it's good to, there's something for everybody, that's the whole point of the GolaVerse. there's something for everybody, now let's talk about something that's not really for everybody, it's definitely not for me, I'll tell you that right, I'll tell you that much right now, so anyhow, um, let's see, why is my, oh, uh, technical difficulties happening, gee whiz, uh oh, Oh, snap. Let's let this one breathe a little bit, gang. How about that? Long-time listeners of The Big Honkin' Show will know what this tune means. It's our pump-up song, St. Elmo's Fire, Man in Motion. And uh, it was the theme for weight loss back in the day as we prepared for, we being me and friends that suckered me into it, prepared for 5K. Hold on. Sing it out. I can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for hitting higher and higher in the chat there, Carissa. Anyway, in April, coming up in April, down in Disney, uh, in Disney World, there is going to be the Star Wars, uh, well, they're doing a, a marathon and a, half, a, and a half marathon, maybe not a marathon, but a half marathon. They got a 5K going on. They got all kinds of stuff going on. And yours truly... Uh, is going to be doing that thing, Do, going to be doing a 5K in April, uh, the Star Wars run down there. Josh Lukes uh, kind of talked me into it, and he's training for it. I'm training for it. Doing the couch to 5K. I ran two minutes of a 30-minute workout yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. That was up for my personal best of 90 seconds. So... We're, we're doing it, man. And I am now officially down 21 pounds from my heaviest weight ever. 21 pounds down from my heaviest weight ever. So it's all about health and fitness and Star Wars. Of course, the one thing that would make me run is the experience of running in Disney World in a Star Wars run. So I've got a few minutes. I still got to shave off my to where maybe I can walk a little bit, but... That being said, it's happening. Join me, Will, won't you? On getting fit. Getting into some other shape than round. It's a miserable existence. But we can cross this bridge together. And my time is now. Kick it high, guys. Goozles up. Goozles up. I'm coming alive. I can see him. I forget the words flip your desk So yes, yes, your prayers and thoughts are very appreciated uh, in, during this time of struggle and pain in my life, and um, and I thank you for for sending those my way. I've got to stop right now, ladies and gentlemen, and just say this because I, I it's none of my business. It's not like I should have known. I feel like we all should have known, but. I didn't know until just now, and just want to big give a huge congratulations to Carissa and her family, uh, long-time listeners of The Big Honkin' Show and Geek Out Loud know Carissa. She's, a, like I said, an OG Mixler Zoo Crew member and OG Twitter Zoo Crew. That was from back in the day in the radio station a couple of years back, so uh she is she she and her family are having a baby. They having, she's having another little baby. So congratulations Carissa. Um uh, Steve is a great name. Stephen is a great name and uh you can you can do that. And uh you know, there's there're feminine variations on Stephen such as Stephanie, etc. And uh so man, no, number coming in November. Number four. Well, congratulations, Carissa. I I didn't know that we we're going to have to give out baby congratulations, but um. So I didn't have a proper tune fired up, and I apologize for that. If I'd have known, I'd have would have had a proper tune fired up for those congratulations. I feel quite unprepared as a um as a podcaster as someone who tries to have good production skills, as someone who tries to help things out. A lot of times you can tell when I'm... um, (laughs) As long as... A a lot of times you can tell when I'm stalling because I will continue telling saying sentences in the same way over and over again. Um, I'm trying to find a song... I cannot find it. I don't know which one they did. Oh, here it is. This is the baby band from the Muppets. Will that do? Carissa's having a baby. Congratulations! Well, there you go that's that's the babies uh the baby band from the muppets show way back in the day <laughs> they um they had a they had a manager who he was he always had sunglasses and a cigarette in his mouth and he was running around with these babies and they were all a little band good times good times all right let's jump in some emails everybody Three, i don't know i'm really confused because it has been so long and life has been so busy and i I don't like to make um i don't like to make excuses for my shortcomings i take that back i do like to make excuses for my shortcomings i'm just going to say if we've if we've heard all this before That's fine. We'll hear it again. Uh, Mark chimes in. He says, Hey, Steve, I've had something on my mind ever since Force Friday and was hoping to get your thoughts. For starters, let me say I couldn't be more excited for The Force Awakens. The buildup has been perfect. From the first black and white photograph uh, of the table read through the teasers and up to Force Friday, I think it's really going to be something special. The only Midnight Madness events I've been to were for the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. The Phantom Menace Midnight Madness event in particular was amazing, and not just because there were enough three and three-quarter inch figures for every fan. I remember getting home after hitting Toys R Us and opening all my brand spanking new Star Wars merchandise. I vividly remember marveling over the two pod racers I bought, Anakin's and Sabulbas. I remember being stunned at the creativity I held in my hand. Here were these little cars strapped to two giant engines bound together by this blue lightning that would race across desert landscapes at unheard of speeds. While I was looking over my new toys, I couldn't help but be awed by George Lucas's imagination. I honestly felt I hadn't seen anything this creative since 1983. What has never ceased to amaze about George Lucas is his remarkable visual imagination and ability to give you something new and different in every episode of the saga. Now, fast forward to the Force Awakens and Force Friday merchandise. I can't help but feel like everything we've seen is a retread. We get an X-Wing, painted a different color from the X-Wings we've already had. We get a couple of different speeders, but we've already had land speeders and speeder bikes. We get more Stormtroopers, but we've already had Stormtroopers. I haven't really seen anything outside of BB-8 that's really going to be fantastic. Visually, the movie looks a little too similar to the original trilogy so far. The prequel trilogy bore very little visual resemblance to the original trilogy. This was a bold move by George. I think that some of the investments uh some th- I think that sort of investment helps to grow and expand the Star Wars universe whereas if all we are we ever see are X-wings and TIE fighters it starts to feel like those are the only types of ships in the galaxy and the galaxy feels a little smaller. I do hope the creators of the sequel trilogy are able to show us something we've never seen or imagined. I guess what I'm trying to say is while I love X-wings and TIE fighters when that's all I see on the screen, it makes me miss George Lucas and the abundance of creativity and new ideas he brings with him to a production. Hope that made sense. When on, one other quick topic I want to touch on. A little while ago, you posted a poll on Facebook asking which axing. Which line, now I sound OG, which line of action figures were our favorites? Having grown up in the 80s, I naturally threw my hat in with the Vintage line, but I also wanted to mention my love for the Clone Wars line of figures. I really like the sculpts with that animated quality to to them. They're stylized in a very cool way. I can't get enough of those. And they're my second favorite line of action figures. Anyway, all your podcasting efforts are always appreciated. Geek Out Loud makes life a little more fun. And that's from Mark. Mark, uh, I want to address this. I, I... it I feel some deja vu maybe I have addressed this before, or maybe I've just really um <clears throat> maybe I just have thought about it in my mind um and it you know as as i since I've read this um first off the creativity aspect of it, I'm not creative enough to even come up with doing more tie fighters next wings to be honest with you um I would just be using the things we've we've definitely already seen. The thing about the TIE Fighters Next Wings is this, is, is there's definitely in 30 years since we saw these vehicles in use last, there's definitely been uh, changes, improvements, upgrades. You know, it's like the difference between a plane from, you know, Mad Men and a plane from today. You know, there's going to be in some ways better, some ways not so much better. Um, the technology doesn't go away. In fact, you know, we began to see we saw the beginnings of some of this technology in the prequel trilogy, and so it, to me, it's more of a natural pro- progression. As I came away from Force Friday with my haul from Force Friday, I did get the Poe Dameron's X-wing, which is that dark uh, gray with the orange highlights on the side. Um, I did get that X-wing BB-8s in the back, and. the wings are different it has a it has a little bit more of a it's got a sharper nose to it i like it i i think it works and i think it's something that was needed for this particular uh era um the tie fighter of course the color schemes reversed but also when you open up the cockpit in these special forces tie fighters uh there's two seats. It's a two-seater. And there's a great little window out the back. There's guns on the bottom as well as or facing backwards as well as the face the front facing guns uh that are more in the bulb area, if you will. It's just such a cool design and such a cool a few cool things added here and there to make it so much it it's different. It's the same, but it's different. And I see what you're saying. But if you start talking, well, we've seen land speeders and we've seen speeder bikes, well, then what else would you call something that moves across the ground? Ray's big fudge sickle speeder really, in some ways, resembles a, a pod racer engine. And from all that we know, her planet Jakku is just full of a bunch of scavengers. And the whole idea is that there's a lot in a war torn galaxy, people are taking are just piecemealing the things that have been left behind and using them for whatever they can. So I dig it. And and again, we've only seen what 2 minutes worth of footage uh from this movie. And obviously it's stuff they're using to sell us uh to sell us these you know these movies. I will tell you just looking through uh some of the little things I've picked up here and there uh, there is a speeder that is, um, uh, it's 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 called the Jakku Thugs speeder, and it's really cool. It looks something more like out of GI Joe, like an old GI Joe toy, than a than a Star Wars toy because of the way it works. But it looks like they pieced together parts from a speeder bike and made like and and a uh, and another type of speeder, and put some dune buggy type roll bars on it with a swivel gun at the top and a uh, big cannon on the front it just it's a cool looking thing and it and to me it feels like it fits in star wars the color scheme is also very prequel-ish and uh I'm all about it I I, I dig it the other thing is this lugabeast thing uh, and this is these are just some specific examples I'm giving you uh lugabeast looks like some giant animal with a metal head which obviously maybe that's some type of helmet apparatus or something to keep the animal cool or fed or, or whatever the case may be. It's a giant pack beast. And it is ridden on by... Um, I, I've got to pull a box out here to make sure I'm getting the name right uh, because I, I've had more... I've bought more figures since back in the day. It's ridden by the by these little Jakku scavengers, which aren't like Jawas, but they kind of are. They don't have the hoods and the... And the robes and everything, they're wearing face masks, or this particular one is wearing face masks, and his clothes are very much wrapped up around him, almost mummy-ish. He's got green skin, and he's wearing very flat-soled sandal-type things on his two-toed feet. So, I, you know, everything looks and feels Star Wars, and I think that's the key for a lot of this, is that we're entering back into a time of the used future, the prequels were the tail end of a more civilized age, as Obi-Wan called it. And there was still the effort to keep things clean and polished, especially when you were talking about rich worlds or, or worlds that appeared to be rich, like Naboo. Well, when we hit Star Wars, the original Star Wars, you've got the Empire who's basically snuffed out creativity. They're very much into uniformity. Um... They the, the oppression of the empires has seemed to keep everyone under their boot, but also think about the locations we visited. We visited Tatooine, we visited Hoth, we saw Dagobah, we saw Endor. We were never in high-populated areas where there were still affluent and wealthy people to see what the technology for those people kind of looked like. And it seems like initially we're headed back in that general direction, but again, we haven't seen anything... Really, from this movie, and I saw an article where they said that everything that's been released at this point is basically the first third of the movie, so i'm excited i I think that there is familiarity, but there will be some new stuff and and some things to be excited about. I think that those type of those type of comments and commentary it's astute mark I think it's a very good observation, but I also think that fully feeling it out needs to be held off until we get to episode seven. I said on a recent episode, I was in the shower and it kind of hit me. What happens if, what happens if it's not good? You know, what do I do then if it's not good? If that's the case, I've wasted a lot of money, but I don't know, you know, all signs, I've got a good feeling about this. All signs point to yes in a way. So I, I see what you're saying, and I will tell you that it's not enough to put me off of buying more and more merchants. I I'm guys, my disease is in full effect with this stuff. Um So we'll see, you know, I had the same type of trepidation with um with rebels. To me, all the characters as they were being described to us before we'd seen anything with them were very much Uh, either fan service in the case of Sabine or very much cookie-cutter prototypes or or ideas taken from the original trilogy cast, you know, just with a new paint job or a new look to them, you know, almost like in a video game where you put a new skin on something. And the storytelling has won me over completely. I'm I'm all into some Rebels and really looking forward to Season 2 coming up. So you make a great... Uh, you make a great point, and I don't fully disagree with it, but I also say, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see till we've seen the entire picture. Literally, the entire picture. Dave in the Quiet Corner has written in, ladies and gentlemen. He says, hi, Steve. Uh, I have a Star Wars observation for you. The first episode of Star Wars is called A New Hope, or at least it was retroactively named thus. By the time of Return of the Jedi... Uh, by the time Return of the Jedi ended, everything seemed so positive and upbeat. Now, thirty years later the Force Awakens reveals the war still rages on. The Empire may have been defeated, but evil persists. Was there any really was there really any hope? Is that why it's called Star Wars? Because the wars never end? That's a bit disappointing. What are your thoughts? It's really hard to it's really is it really war without an end and there could be no franchise and there would be no franchise without it? You seem to be getting close to this question in the last podcast, so I'd like to hear you expand upon it, your friend in the quiet corner, and that's Dave in the quiet corner. Also known, I believe, as Carol Spinney's stalker. Dave, I will say this. I, first of all, as we enter into The Force Awakens, depending on where our players are, and, and and what their response to the victory at Endor has been, I think that we enter into a situation where, yeah, I'm a little more hopeful about the outcome, not because, um, not because there's not evil and not because war's not going on, but because the ultimate evil in the galaxy was defeated, and that's that is the. For the storytellers, that is now the burden that is on their shoulders. Is to make an evil threat that feels as threatening as the Emperor, but does not take away from what he did. The story of Star Wars is about the prequels, you know, I've heard it said, and I believe it was Kyle Newman who said it, was about the rise of the dark side. Whereas the original trilogy was about the rise of the light side. And as we now know, it was about Luke bringing balance back to the force. And I think that the hope that was to be found was in the light of the force was in the fact that Luke was the one person, uh, or maybe one of the two people who could bring down Darth Vader and the emperor and Luke was the only person who would have been able to do it through compassion and through self-sacrifice the way that he was willing to do. I think the idea behind what was going on in Return of the Jedi was Luke, as he left the Ewok village, Luke knew he was going to die. And the fact that the Emperor was defeated should have been, everything else should have just been a cleanup operation, but alas, we're in a huge galaxy. And J.J. Abrams has described it about uh, as about um, this way. He said, you know, imagine after World War II if all the Nazis decided to go into hiding together in Argentina and just set up shop there and silently build up their power base. And that's kind of what this is. The spiritual aspect of this particular trilogy, I believe, is going to come from... Uh, Kylo Ren and what he's trying to do, and I believe that for whatever reason, that'll bring Luke to the forefront to handle whatever he's got to handle. Um, it is called Star Wars. The wars do never end. You know, it is it is the idea that there's conflict in this galaxy, but there's conflict everywhere. And I don't know what good a movie would be if everyone's just sitting around talking about how great things are. You know there's got to be some kind of conflict, so I don't know that that a new hope is misleading. I think that what I think that what we'll see and this is pure speculation on my part, I think that what we'll see is that without Luke Skywalker, it is hopeless, and that until he steps up and makes his presence known and throws his hat into the ring. That he truly is the hope that the galaxy is resting on. So, that's that's kind of my take on it. You know, obviously, The Force Awakens is is a very, um, it's a provocative title because the idea of, well, was you know we we've, we've all made the jokes. Was the Force asleep? Was what's the deal? What's the deal with the sleeping Force? I think the idea is the Force has been dormant, that maybe through the the out-of-balance-ness of the Force, that it was injured in some way, that the Force had to heal, that the Force had to kind of lie dormant. And that once it was healed and restored, that maybe through a series of events, maybe just through the natural... Existence of the force that it begins to awaken and awaken in others and awaken in the universe in a way that it hasn't been in years and uh everyone who's force sensitive feels it both the light and the or both the dark side and the light you know that's from that first teaser that we got so i it's gonna be interesting and and i I do think there's still hope to be found, and I do think it's still a hopeful hopeful thing uh is star wars. I think Star Wars is, is a lot about hope. So but Dave, it's a great question, a great point, And I thank you. I thank you for your time. Daniel and in Indy says, I just this is from September nineteenth. I just watched Furious Furious Seven. I don't know why I feel like others need to know this. <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> All is forgiven, Daniel all is forgiven. Um, moving on through, Grant Gregory says, I was without phone or computer for a while and just recently got caught up on your shows, which I love, by the way. In your Fan 4-Stick episode, you talked about how Marvel Studios isn't afraid to do the movies like the comics and that Sony and Fox production Productions have had a history of failing to do so. Like you, I think the Marvel Studios films are better than the Fox and Sony films. I'm not sure it's as simple as a page-to-screen adaptation. Sony, while they were afraid to let Willem Dafoe use his own own face... Why can I not read his own face to portray the Goblin? They did put Spidey in his red and blues. Same with the first two Fantastic Four pictures. They were all in their wonderful blue costumes like in the books. There are other examples where they weren't afraid to put Page to screen and did get a lot of things right. Then if we look at the Marvel Studios, they have a tendency to do the same thing. Sure, Iron Man and Thor look like their print versions. Captain America has a very different costume than in the books... Scalloped shirt, winged head, etc. And I don't think they translated Hawkeye to the screen well at all. I love him in the movies, but I would love to see that amazing Hawkeye costume. Vision looks different. Quick, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, too. The Mandarin is a joke in The Iron Man 3. Pepper and Tony together. I don't remember that happening in the books until around the time it happened in the movies. Come to think of it, wasn't she married to Happy Hogan, John Favreau's character? There are plenty more examples of how Marvel Studios movies didn't put the source material on screen, or if they do, they use the ultimate versions, like Fox and Sony sometimes do. I think the reason Marvel pictures are better received is more than using source material. I don't have any ideas to offer of what that quality is, but I'm sure I'm, but I'm just an absurd fan slash geek. So, fan slash geek. So I'm not required to have one, right? I uh, love the show and glad I'm able to catch up. Thanks, even that comes from Grant Gregory, who has a superhero name, by the way. The the uh, same letter the alliterated name there um i think you're taking my idea of the 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 page to screen adaptation a little too literally i don't mean just in their appearance uh there's something in the heart of every character that is there in those marvel studio pictures that that is there from the page itself and and when i think of iron man they've gone a lot more ultimate iron man i believe with him but when you get into the origin of iron man in the first iron man from 2008 the only thing that they did tremendously differently is they just changed which war was going on that he was a part of yeah and you know back in Back when Iron Man was originally written, I believe it was either Korea or Vietnam. Of course, that was modern for the time. Now, you know, he was over in Afghanistan. Modern for the time, 2008. And other than that, it just, it worked. It wasn't just about the appearance. It was about not being afraid to let this character be everything that Tony Stark has been. You know, that arrogant, billionaire, playboy, drunk uh, that he was in the comics and how he overcomes all of that and what it drives him now to be so hell bent on protecting the earth that you know he pushes forward with his ideas even though sometimes they end up hurting and and falling in the wrong hands you know Ultron the artificial intelligence stuff uh, the arc reactor Iron Man two uh, you know uh, his his sins and that's what Iron Man three was really about was his sins coming back to plague him in the form of uh, Aldrin Kiliots or Aldrin, Aldrin that the AIM people, AIM, uh, came back to haunt him because of the way he treated him back in 1999. Thor, you know, I mean, they do Asgard full on, you know, they didn't do a Master of the Universe where we're, you know, out in nature for a minute and that's supposed to be Eternia and then, boom, we're on Earth for most of the, the picture. They, they did Asgard, they did the Warriors 3, they did Odin, they did... All these things, and that's what I mean as as far as page to screen goes. When you get into the Spider Man movies, the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies were great. You know those first two, especially the third one, not so much. But those first two Spider Man movies were great. I I had a little bit of a problem with Doc Ock having the relationship he had with Peter, but you change these things for the movie. But I think you know Doc Ock didn't look like he did on screen. He wasn't wearing green tights, and he wasn't wearing like a or or as later Doc Ock would, you know, a nice suit and everything. He was a little more, you know, shirtless. Um, But Alfred Molina did great in that role. They even had some lines directly from the comic book. I think that uh, Andrew Garfield, I loved his Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man and a little bit in Amazing Spider-Man too because his Spider-Man was quippy. His Spider-Man was having fun. His Spider-Man was making jokes and that sort of thing. And it was something that Tobey Maguire didn't get to do so much. His little jokes were a little off you know they weren't as funny as andrew garfield's jokes were in in a and that's that's the writers that's not the the performers there um so yeah i mean i don't know i think you know i think it goes deeper than a page to screen and let's be honest most the x-men films have been successful they you know and and they weren't quite true to the origins of the x-men as far as who the first team was i mean they threw wolverine in right out of the gate but when you see Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine, particularly in X-Men and X-Men 2, you see Wolverine from those books. You see that Wolverine who, you know, he's got a thing for Gene. He's, he's tough. He's, he, you know, he, he has this hard outer shell, but he's kind of you know soft and chewy on the inside, that sort of thing. Um, the Fantastic Four movies are a whole different story altogether. Again, it's not just about a page-to-screen look. It's about a page to screen understanding of who these characters are, and I don't know that any of those movies got that fully um because because the temptation was to make Reed Richards look kind of like a doofus because he's so smart when really in reality, Reed Richards is the leader of the team, you know he's the guy who who's responsible for it all and it's his it's his intelligence that makes him the leader of the team and everyone regardless of how much they may argue amongst themselves everyone respects reed sue storm is 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 the mother of the team but it's like a mother bear whose cubs you've messed with and she's not friendly about it you know she's going to kick your butt if you mess with her family and she's powerful she's one of the most powerful heroes in the marvel universe because her power is only limited by her will. Uh, Johnny Storm. They see Chris Evans and Johnny Storm was a little bit too over the top with how funny he was, though it was he was kind of the draw for everyone in those movies, um, and he did great. Don't get me wrong, but he was a little too over the top. They wrote him a little too loosey goosey and funny, whereas they didn't do that enough of that in uh, the new Fantastic Four. In fact, in the new Fantastic Four, he was too much of a rebel. He was too much of trying to be the bad boy. Ben Grimm, I feel like they got Ben Grimm in, in the original Fantastic Four movies. You know, you a guy who becomes obsessed with I'm an ugly monster and I don't want this anymore. But there, when they go to face down Doom in that first Fantastic Four movie, I'm talking Michael Chiklis as Ben Grimm, he steps back in the machine to get the powers back so he can go help him out. You know, that kind of thing. And that's, that's Ben Grimm. But uh, truth truth be told, I like Fantastic Four and The Rise of the Silver Surfer better. Than I like Fant Forstic. Uh, those those were closer to me and not just because of the way they look. So that's what I mean when I say that. Um, I think Marvel's pictures are more well-received because they're more fun. And they really are leaning heavily on what makes these characters likable and what makes these character- characters attractive to the general audiences. I mean, you watch Daredevil and Daredevil's not necessarily a title that I'm an expert on or have loved, love, 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 love. But when you see Daredevil, you understand why this character works because it's not just that he's blind and, you know, he's got this cool power. It's because he's got this really intense sense of justice that he's willing to put it all on the line for. So all kinds, you know, all kinds of things. That's what I say to that. So, Grant Gregory, there you go. That's my thoughts on that. I hope I wasn't too, too winded. Um, Trying to find, I don't want to go down to, I don't want to get into more controversy. We've had some controversy on the show, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't really want to get back into that uh the admiral did chime in she's here with us in spirit she says i will not apologize for saying you and eric talk bad about back to the future because it was a great bit when Derek came on if you still feel sore about it here's something to make it up to you an idea for the past the Corn t-shirt <laughs> oh man just watch captain america the winter soldier and notice something geeky near the end of the movie we have the battle going on and we pan from the battle to the penthouse floor where Pierce is is uh where Pierce is, and it struck me it's just like Star Wars episode six, that's Return of the Jedi, when Luke is looking out the window to see the space battle and the Emperor is tempting Luke. We have the pan of the air battle, and we pan to Pierce looking out the window trying to tempt the rest of the World Security Council to his side. We already know that Star Wars uh episode five connects to the phase two. It makes me wonder if we'll see um Return of the Jedi links in phase three. Anyway, just want to share my goal moment with the others. And with that, uh, and well, with others that will get it and appreciate it. I mean, she says, I want to share my goal moment with others. Well, with others that will get it and appreciate it. And that's from the Admiral. I don't know, you know, in, in all of phase two, in every phase two movie, someone got their hand cut off. Um, and that was an homage to, uh, Empire. It became this homage to Empire Strikes Back. So, uh, I don't know. that that's a. I don't know that it's intentional that that was happening there in Winter Soldier, but very well could be. And maybe when we get to Phase 3, I don't know what the Phase 3 homage could be. A little fuzzy person showing up in every movie? Some kid having a teddy bear in every movie? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Timothy Harvey chimes in. Tim, Tim! Tim, Tim says, hi, Steve, regular listener, first time writer. Woo-hoo. A few weeks ago, you talked about the Facebook page poll and reported no listeners of no listeners of gold from New Hampshire. And I feel the need to represent, even though I'm in Boston, I'm still a granite stater at heart. And I look forward to every I look forward to the show every week and I'm wicked excited for the force awakens. Uh, so New Hampshire represented by Tim Harvey. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you. Then, New Hampshire. All the way down to Georgia. I don't know what I'm trying to do there, guys. Just to be honest with you. So, um, Moving on. This comes from Adrian. Adrian says, Hi, Steve. Vader on a Force Awakens card? Say it ain't so, man, but sometimes you just have to, right? Uh, he says, also, I have to agree and disagree with your, you and the emailer about diversity. I agree tokenism is bad. But it's also bad when fans feel left out or they feel they can't relate, which is stupid in itself as it seems almost everyone can relate to Luke, Leia, Han, Spider-Man, Pete, or Miles, Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. But today you have little girls and adult men saying, why does Captain America come with the Black Widow motorcycle? You have leaked corporate emails saying female superheroes don't sell, using the old Helen Slater Supergirl movie as an example. Never mind the Hunger Games, Resident Evil, Lucy, or Underworld. You have the new Supergirl TV show making an awkward point that she doesn't need to be called Superwoman. I disagree. You even have me thinking, and I don't think like this usually, that yes, Paul Rudd was awesome and perfect, but since Ant-Man is a lower tier character, this would have been the perfect chance to change things up casting-wise. Because they aren't going to change Thor in the movie, or will they? Spider-Man does does need to be peter parker first yes james rhodes could take over but even cap replacement bucky cap is a white dude we are getting black panther captain marvel and wonder woman though rogue one kind of count says the male cast is very diverse but only one woman i really think that if the above movies are good and make money then they will get more reputation because i don't think hollywood will ever really try to represent like comics do until the money rolls in they're too conservative star wars the force awakens could change everything though i guess he's referring to the uh lead role of daisy ridley in that says wow this is a very long email sorry thanks for all the awesome podcasts later adrian adrian you got to learn on geek out loud people do not apologize for the length of their emails um okay so we're going to get back into this um look i don't know why blackwood why captain america came with the black widow motorcycle that's one of those things that you're right. That was stupid. That was a miscalculation on their part. And, um, you know, leaked emails saying female superheroes don't sell, using the old Helen Slater Supergirl movie as an example. I want to speak to those people and say that's not because it was a girl. That's because the movie was bad. That movie did not hold up to what had been done in Superman and Superman 2. It just didn't uh supergirl's a hard character to write and to get right and it and it felt weird watching it i remember watching it as a kid and like this just feels weird they did a lot of neat stuff in that movie but it just wasn't as good as uh you know the the, the superman movies which it's in the same universe and so you know you want you've got to compare and it just wasn't good as those first two Superman movies. But then when you see what the same group did with Superman three and then what Canon Globus did with uh Superman four, you realize that it's hard. I don't I think it's harder to get superhero movies right than what people think. And uh that's not the point of this email, I know, but that's a realization that just came to me. But anyhow, moving on. Um He says, Ant Man is a lower tier character, this would have been a perfect chance to change things up casting wise. Yeah, but Paul Rudd was awesome and perfect. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, he really was. And our next, you know, we're getting the sequel, Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was announced at Comic-Con. And this will be Marvel's first title with a female in the title. So, uh, because they're backing up Captain Marvel for this. Obviously, they have a plan. Obviously, they have a reason. People think, can start jumping on it and say, well, that means we're not going to get, there's a plan and a purpose in the way they're wanting to tell the story. And I go back to what I said. We cannot sacrifice the story uh just to bow down to fans wishes and fans desires. Um when Adrian says it's tokenism is bad but it's also bad when fans feel left out or they feel they can't relate. I, look, I'm I'm of a different ethnic background than Rocky, than the Karate Kid, uh than Apollo, then uh, and guys Creed coming up in November. Hello. I I've never had a problem relating with people because I'm like, oh, they're not the same color as me, or they're not fat like I am, or they're this or that. It's always been like, what's this character experiencing? What are they going through? And then if there's a character that has completely different life experiences than me, then if the character is compelled, I don't have to relate to a character to be compelled by the character. I think that's the key. This idea of relating to characters is good and it definitely is a way in, but you don't have to relate to someone for them to be compelling. And I, and I think that you know, Walter White from Breaking Bad is a good example of that. I don't relate to that guy on any level, you know? Um, and I definitely don't relate to the path, but his character was so compelling. I couldn't stop watching. I couldn't look away. Um, same thing with Mad Men and, uh, and, and, and John Hamm's character, you know, I, I just watched that show. And I'm like, I don't relate to this guy in any way, but, I can't stop watching to see what happens to him. That that's compelling. That's compelling characters. And I'm not. And, and and look, just because I talk like it doesn't mean I'm against diversity. What I'm against is tokenism. I'm against the insult that it says to pe- that people are are buying into as truth. that says a character has to be like me for me to relate to it or to find it compelling. I'm. I. You are. You're being cheapened when you're when you feel like you can't be entertained by something because there's not enough females in it, or there's not enough people of color in it, or or there's too many straight people, or whatever the case may be, you're cheapening yourself. And when and when these things are shoehorned in, it should be offensive. It should be offensive to everyone because what they're doing is just pandering so that you'll be quiet. It's like when your parents just say, Yeah, sure, go play outside because they, you're they're you're on their nerves what changes minds in the corporate world is money so you know when ant-man and the wasp comes out when wonder woman comes out when captain marvel comes out you know go see these movies over and over again make them the highest grossing movies of all time and then you know what then you know what these movie studios will be doing they'll be trying to figure out how to get these type of characters and everything that they do Michael Peña was one of the biggest takeaways from Ant-Man. Um, Latino guy. So, I, you know, I, you, the list goes on and on. And by the way, Adrian, you're a little bit behind. Uh, Cap's replacement now is is not Bucky anymore. Uh, Bucky gave that up when Cap came back, when Steve Rogers came back. But then Steve Rogers had an instance where he... Went through time, or the whole super soldier serum got out of his veins, so now he's just an old man basically, and he can't do the Captain America thing anymore. So he's kind of the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and it's Sam Wilson who took over as Captain America, the Falcon. Black dude. So, look, Marvel's doing it right in the comics, they're doing well. Everyone's, you know, it, my thing is calm down. If you don't like something, you don't like it. Fine, you know. Um, but, don't but be careful about how much you complain because for every step forward that's being taken the steps you want to see taken um when people start to complain too much for example rogue one female lead and people complain there aren't enough females in the cast but it's a female lead you see so applaud that move rather than gripe about well she's the only one applaud the fact that it's a female-led Star Wars film and really just blow that fact up because that type of positive reinforcement is what's gonna is what's gonna change things so I don't know I I didn't mean to to get into that one but I, I kind of slipped into this email because it said Force Friday and uh <laughs> All Adrian said about Force Friday was Vader on a Star Wars The Force Awakens card. Yes, and I bought it, Adrian. And I bought it. Because I am a sucker. Anders Peterson. Yo, Steve. Recently came across the Geek Out Loud podcast. And I love it. Your laugh is infectious. And you rock it what you do. Thank you, Anders. You rock it what you do. So keep on doing it. You keep on doing it, sir. Wish I'd have learned of the podcast before celebration. I would have loved to hear, I would have loved to buy you a beer and wax eloquent about the wars. I totally dig your taste in music as well. As well, 80s rock rocks. And he threw up the metal horns. God bless and may the force be with you always. Your new friend in the force from SoCal. That's Anders Peterson. Anders, thank you so much for writing in. Normally I don't read those, but uh, I noticed I hadn't read that yet. So I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate you writing in and, uh, and, and, and being nice guys. I got to plug something else. Jeff Lane, you guys know Jeff Lane from this paper world. We read that book in the Goloverse book club. Jeff is having a movie made of one of his works. It's called one way it's being made into a film and they currently have an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign going. I've got to get Jeff on, uh, should have got him on tonight. Uh, just go to Indiegogo.com and just search for one way. The movie uh, and, and if you want to help out one of our own, uh, there's some videos there about what they're doing, about what it's about. And, uh, you know, look, it's Jeff. He's a long time Goloverse supporter and listener and participant. So we appreciate him and we want to help him out guys, because look, we help our own. That's what we do. It's what we do in the Goloverse. We help our own. David Dupree says, Steve, I'm way behind and was listening to your comments about Westerns and Goal 91 in the email from Christopher Lutz. I'm a huge John Wayne fan. I own every film he's been in that's available. I concur that must-see Westerns include Red River, the first Wayne I ever saw, Rio Bravo, and The Searchers. I also really enjoyed Man from Snowy River and Return to Snowy River. I would also add to this list the man who shot Liberty Valance. I'm a huge John Wayne fan, but the real star of this film is James Stewart. Uh, you mean Jimmy Stewart? Uh, it's a terrible. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, you old savings and loan. Uh, Wayne plays against type here. As, and as a noted gunslinger outlaw who lives by the gun, Stewart comes to town with his law books and crosses path with the known killer Liberty Valance. Valance Valance, played by Lee Marvin. It's a great movie and details a time when the West was becoming civilized. Stewart is excellent in this film. And uh, he has an excellent quote at the end of the film. The Cowboys, another cattle drive picture. When Wayne needs hands for his cattle drive, he recruits a bunch of young orphans to work for him on the drive. It's a great film with some great child actors, including future L.A. star A. Marinez. Also a great portrayal by Bruce Dern. I'd also say John's Ford Cavalry Trilogy with John Wayne. Ford Apache, starring Henry Fonda. She wore a yellow ribbon with Shirley Temple. Rio Grande, starring also starring uh, Maureen O'Hara, who was also in The Quiet Man and McClintock. Uh, Stagecoach, the first John Ford slash John Wayne collaboration and Wayne's breakout role. Now to non-Wayne Westerns. The Oxbow Incident, Henry Fonda, a great morality tale involving a lynching. The Outlaw, Josie Wells, Clint Eastwood's Civil War film, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Eastwood, part of the Man with No Name trilogy. Winchester, 73, James Stewart, The Magnificent Seven, Unforgiven, from 1992. I have seen Unforgiven. That's Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. That's got one of the greatest lines in all of cinema history to me. Hell of a thing, killing a man. That's what Clint Eastwood says. I always personally enjoyed Pale Rider, starring Clint Eastwood. Some lesser-known great films are Seven Men From Now, Randolph Scott, produced by Wayne's Production Company and a recent film, Open Range, very much like Lonesome Dove, but shorter with Robert Duvall, who starred in Dove, and Kevin Costner. Also, if you like Australian westerns, you have to see Quigley Down Under with old Tom Selleck, a great film with some great comedic dialogue in it. There are many, many more, but as you can see, there's a trend here. The best star, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, Henry Fonda, and Clint Eastwood, for the most part. Star Wars is also very much a western disguised as a sci-fi film. Luke's Journey can be paralleled to many of the above westerns, particularly Matt's Journey and Red River and Newt's Journey and Lonesome Dove. And that comes from our friend Dave, giving me a list of westerns to watch. Dave, I tell you what, as we get into the holiday season and after Christmas when things slow down, I may take a few Saturdays to sit down and uh, and watch some wrestling. I, for some westerns, not wrestling. I'll probably watch wrestling too, but definitely watch some some westerns. Um, Dave in the Quiet Corner. Emails in yet again, more recently. He says, Steve, have you seen The Martian yet? No, I haven't. I've got to go see that movie. I write this as I'm listening to your Past the Corn episode with Erich. I love the book also. I had tears in my eyes as I finished the book and as this movie ended. So not only am I the geek, a geek, but a salty too. What can I say? I love stories that have hope for humanity, where we work on a common goal, not only to save ourselves, but our future also. <laughs> Sniffle. They changed the ending a bit and pulled back on all the obstacles Watney had to overcome, but otherwise it was very faithful to the book. I saw Sicario also. There was this, let's call it an explosive moment at the beginning of the movie that I actually predicted, and I still jumped out of my skin when it happened. Dang, I wonder how many people saw me. Dang. A very intense story that subtly drifts into a different narrative. Emily Blunt is great. Benicio Del Toro is great, as your buddy Josh. as is your buddy Josh Brolin. He is my buddy. We're good friends. I don't know him at all. If this is really what's going on at the border, then maybe a secret war isn't such a bad idea. By the way, I think Blood's character is a stand-in for America itself, if not American society. We want to do the right thing, but how much are we willing to compromise in order to preserve our way of life? Be careful of those explosive moments, Steve, Dave, and the quiet. You know what? I say that every time I go to the bathroom. Be careful. <laughs> sorry, guys. That was was a little much. That was a little much. Matthew Marks has emailed in. And I've gotten several emails about this. It's a show called Zoo. I'm basically ripping off the animal Apocalypse idea that we came up with on the Big Honkin' show. Um, he says, I found a show on Netflix right up your alley. The first season aired on CBS this past summer. Here's what the voiceover says at the beginning of the show. For centuries, mankind has been the dominant species. We've domesticated animals, locked them up, killed them for sport. But what if all across the globe the animals decided no more what if they finally decided to fight back sound familiar yes it does my wife and i thought surely steve has heard of this i have not i have expected to see your name in the credits as an exec producer the show is called zoo and it's apparently based on a novel by james patterson it's Apocalypse, the tv series it's pretty good has a couple of cheesy moments but i think the greatest strength is it has a a theme too often overlooked in TV shows today. Namely, the animals are rising up and we need to do something about it. You tell them, Matthew Marks. First season is 13 episodes. It's been renewed for a second season, which will air next summer. And that's from Matt. Keep fighting the good fight against the animal kingdom. That's from Matt Marks. I, Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. Um, But you know what? If a good idea is out there, it's going to get taken if you don't do something with it. So there you go. That's um. That's that's all I have to say about that. I am disappointed that I didn't come up with it and didn't go pitch a TV show about it because, jeez, jeez, guys. Would have been nice. Would have been nice to get some of that CBS money. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been nice to have, have that little bit of recognition, for all that I had done, in my battle against the animals. But here's the thing: that's a fictional television show. What we've got going on around here. That's real life, people. It's real life. It's the Animal Apocalypse. And it's real. <laughs> I did mention earlier on one of the Force Friday emails that I have continued to buy a few things. I've been able to find things in the store. Jimmy in Georgia found, for me, uh, he's not going to be Jimmy in Georgia for long. I believe he's going to Missouri. Uh, Found for me the Ahsoka Vader 2-pack from Rebels, and I love it. It makes me very happy. It's going on my Rebels shelf here very soon. But knowing those are around, uh, I actually last week ended up in a store and I picked up a new Sarko Plank he's in the second wave of single figures I don't know that he'll have much going on in the movie but he's apparently not a very nice guy he looks a little bit like uh, a red robe Zuckus, not Zuckus, yeah Zuckus Um, his gun's very reminiscent of Zuckus's gun Uh, but he wears a mask at all times to keep breathing his native atmosphere and that sort of thing Um, so, you know, he looks like he's going to be kind of a minor player. Uh, I picked up a new, uh, I picked up another Stormtrooper because he had a different little piece in him that you combine the pieces to make the whole thing. I'm an idiot. But I, but if I was going to get the other two figures, which I did, I had to have that one so I could put together the whole little contraption, you know, because they come with these little pieces that you piece together and build another little contraption. So I got him, and then I got a um, a, a snowtrooper. I found a first order snowtrooper, which I was really excited about. And I found Kanan on a on a Force Awakened style card, and I found Ezra on a Force Awakened style card. And the cool thing about Ezra is this is the first Ezra that comes with his lightsaber. And of course, Ezra's lightsaber has that weird looking—it's a staple gun looking thing that i feel thanks to daniel and eddie pointing this out to me i feel like it's based on the old 12-inch luke skywalker's lightsaber which had that kind of thing around the handle so that you could fit it on his hand which didn't have a grip to it anyhow then these two packs i found which explain to me this how does a figure come in the armored up version with just one little piece of plastic that's about as big as the piece of plastic that come with the non-armored up figures and cost $12, but then I can buy two figures for like $15, like $14.99. And in the case of this one two-pack that I've already mentioned, the Jakku Scavenger, that also came with uh, one of Uncar's thugs. And also, ladies and gentlemen, the three and three quarter inch BB8, which I was very stoked about. I did get the R2 and 3PO's uh, two-pack with 3PO's red arm like I needed another R2-D2. And that cool new X-Wing pilot, Elo Asti, which is the uh, tribute to the Beastie Boys by one J.J. Abrams. Now, here's the neat thing. I found these all on the shelf, swinging on the pegs, and I'm, and I'm seeing more Captain Phasma's. I'm seeing a lot of that first wave that's out. So it's all there. I don't know why I'm playing Death Leopard behind me while I'm talking about this. This makes no sense to me at all that I'm playing the Death Leopard, because we were talking animal Apocalypse, and I was just like, okay. But I, I say all that to say this, not the Death Leopard stuff, the 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 toy stuff. I say all that to say this, that I've been very very critical of Hasbro in the past of what they're doing as far as their um, distribution goes, that their distribution has made little to no sense, but. Th- uh hasbro and the retailers now are doing a really good job of keeping there's still a lot of empty pegs and i'm really stressed that i'm going to miss the exclusive black series the the walmart exclusive three and three quarter inch black series that is going to have uh they've got a vader and a leia and a luke but also they've got a kylo ren array and a Finn, and those are like the multiple articulation figures. i keep freaking out that i'm going to miss those Swinging on the pegs because I haven't seen them yet. So keep your eyes out for those. If you see them, let me know. And um, you can win the opportunity to know my address because I'll ask you to pick them up and send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I say that because I feel like Hasbro has done a pretty good job this time around with their with their product. It is staying on the shelves. Um, it's obviously going to continue to do so as we were told by Steve Sansweet when I was on Rebel Force Radio. So, you know, look, I'm I'm willing to eat some crow where it is. That doesn't change that they did it wrong for a while, but at least you know. At least at least it's doing right now, right? Hallelujah. Before we go, guys, don't forget mark on your calendars January twenty third. We're gonna be doing another marathon for cure childhood cancer. saturday january 23rd all day long live round three guys first time ever live round three of course disney vault talk rock out loud mark out loud will be happening big honking show will be happening of course geek out loud will be happening it's going to be a really special day our goal will be to raise three thousand dollars twice what we raised last year all happening on january 23rd mark your counters and be ready to settle in and have a good time together on January 23rd for the Cure Childhood Marathon, Gola versus second annual Cure Childhood Cancer Marathon coming up on January 23rd. We'll have more information uh, about things that are going to be going on specially for that day as we get closer. Would love to hear from you as we've heard from so many on this episode. You can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Geek Out Loud, at Goloverse, for all the Goloverse shows. I'm at Steve Glosson. Follow our good friend Erich, at Darth underscore Duff. Give him a big pass the corn shout out. If you want some smiles, follow at Goloverse Quotes. And, of course, at Goloverse Reads for the Goloverse Reads Book Club. Princess Bride coming up soon, as soon as we nail down the dates on that. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. We'll have a new goal poll up soon, a little more Halloween themed, so be ready for that. Thanks again for everyone who used the Amazon links at Amazon.com, I'm at GeekOutPodcast.com and GeekOutOnline.com. And don't forget Audible, man, AudibleTrial.com slash Geek Out. If you want to uh, help out the shows that way, you don't have an Audible membership yet, do it audibletrial.com slash geekout you'll get a free two week membership and a free audiobook of your choice and that's yours to keep regardless of what you do with your membership I said two weeks I think it's 30 day trial free free audiobook of your choice and may I suggest Star Wars Aftermath for you guys that are into the wars it's a lot easier to listen to than it is to read apparently so check it out Dark Disciples there as well all kinds of great books. Over 150,000 titles to choose from across all the genres. And of course, thanks everyone who supports the Patreon.com slash Geek Loud. We appreciate you so, so, so very much. Until next time, guys, I'm Steve Glosson And we'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud.